in addition to taking um, medicine, different types of medicine for depression, which I have done um, at different times in my life, I find that it helps to include that as part of like kind of like a rehabilitation program where I'm also talking it out because I'm I, I process things by talking it out a lot. Not everybody does so but talk therapy really helps me. My creative career has been something that really helps me to process all that and to get unstuck. And I notice that when I'm in my real depressed states, I can't paint. It's hard for me to do much of anything. I can do the bare minimum to show up for the closest people in my life. So I'm not, um, when I'm in a depressed state where I'm really sad, I'm not um, able to be super creative in those moments. I can paint when I'm anxious. I do that often. And I also have seen a pattern where things will be pretty good. I'll start getting anxious about something and then I eventually go to into a depression depending on how depending on if I can address my anxiety in a healthy way or a non-confused way. Sometimes it's not unhealthy. I'm just so confused. I don't know how to fix my anxiety. And so I have to go into a depression, which is just me trying to make myself focus on this anxiety so I can process it and get on to a place where I'm healthy and happy and have a high quality of life. And kind of in the same vein where I control others or try to control others or yeah, I do that. I, I don't like admitting that I do that. <laughs> that that makes me uncomfortable. But that's the reality. I, I do that to some extent. And I, I struggle with that. Um, I think that when I'm in those states of being anxious and depressed, I think that it's good to have that community that you can rely on. But sometimes I rely on others too much. And try to search for the validity that I want, the solution that I want outside of myself without tuning into myself and finding it inside. And I don't think that that is a good way to go about it either. Make me get really depressed is that I just didn't deal with it. You know, I didn't take the time to feel things and so I, I would get emotionally stuck and then I couldn't enjoy anything and that's not a fun place to be but right now even though my life is overall doing really well and I'm overall really okay I will say that I'm not in a great mood and I think that I'm in the middle of it so I do feel kind of that foggy um, confused manual drive um, mode I feel like I'm in that mode and so I guess another fear of mine is not being able to really express you know what I'm thinking in a coherent way so I hope that I can make sense and I think I need to kind of put it out there with the pauses that are going to come from me starting and stopping my brain and kind of trying to process through. So I hope that's okay. I'm not going to edit this podcast too much is basically what I'm saying. 
Um, so yeah, I, back to the idea of being emotionally stuck. I know that when I actually am in a depressed state, it's really hard for me to paint. And I think depression is a really interesting thing because you hear a lot of different things. You hear some people say, you know, everybody gets sad. And it doesn't mean that you're depressed just because you're sad, right? I've heard that. And I've heard when you talk to doctors or things like that or look up questionnaires of am I depressed, what they ask you is, have you been sad for more than two weeks, you know, regularly regularly for the most part? And that's kind of the gauge of whether or not other people would diagnose you with depression, And I've gone through that, I've talked to people, I've talked to professionals, and the best I can find is that part of it is when somebody says, oh, you're just sad, you're not depressed, stop being dramatic, it kind of minimizes the pain that you have, right? But then at the same time, you don't want to be depressed because then you're worried that something might be wrong with you. And if something's wrong with your body, like if you get sick or get a disease, you know, that's more acceptable, but if you, you know, societally, socially acceptable, but if something might be wrong with your mind or the way that you think, then that's like something inherently is wrong with you. And it's really tempting to think that you are not good enough, not your body or the things that you do, but your identity and exactly who you are and the way that you think. And that's a really difficult and scary thing to face to not know if you can trust your mind or your brain or to not even know if you are a valid worthwhile person and I've been in that place where I've kind of questioned that and I think all humans do on some level whether they admit it or not we're all trying to get love and to get value after talking with a lot of professionals about it Um, what I found out is really the way that people who are in the industry, like therapists and psychologists and everything, they gauge whether somebody is depressed by saying, are you so sad that it ruins your quality of life? Maybe there was an event that happens. Maybe not. Maybe there are chemicals in there that aren't necessarily working properly. Maybe your chemicals aren't working properly because of an event that happened, you know, and the chemicals need to be recalibrated and there's medicine for that. But really, it doesn't have anything to do with a person being broken. It just has to do with the idea that your quality of life is less and there are steps to take to make it better. And again, I thought that there weren't. I was really worried that if you're depressed, you can stay in that mode for forever. Because when I was in the middle of uh, my depression, I would think back over my life and it was pretty much, you know, I I hesitate because I don't want to come across as that I was never happy or content or anything. But I do feel like Content is probably the thing that I didn't really have a whole lot of on a on a level that didn't ruin my quality of life. Like I, ooh, this is a tricky thing to explain. So now I can say that I have a contentment that I'm happy with. <laughs> Before I may have had some contentment, 
I had some hope, I had some joy, but I, it wasn't enough for me to be happy with. <laughs> I didn't have enough contentment to be content. <laughs> Although I did have some, and I don't want to minimize that or paint my whole childhood as like a negative experience because it, it wasn't, especially, you know, environmentally, I had a really great supportive childhood. Um, however, I did, when I was depressed, in a really depressed state, think back on my life and think, well, you know what, I was kind of sad a lot. <laughs> I was lonely a lot as a kid. And, you know, nothing is ever really perfect. So you can go back and think um, for a really long time, maybe my quality of life has been lowered because of my sadness to some degree. Welcome to the Artist Track Podcast. I'm your artist friend, Heather. Hey, what's up? We're on episode number four where we're talking about the moods of an artist and navigating the emotional ups and downs as you make it your job to do that. <laughs> I think that's the point of being an artist is for somebody in the community to get real honest and face-to-face with the human experience in order to make sure that we're all calibrated and beautifully tuning in to ourselves and the things that make us tick as people in general. So that is what we're going to talk about today. Um, let's start with the fears <laughs> of today because that's my favorite thing to do is to tell you why I'm probably not qualified to even make a podcast, period. Um, all right, I hate talking about moods. That's my fear. I hate being moody. I did make it my job to explore the moods that I go through because it's what I need to do for me to be healthy. I'm not good at it. I don't do it normally. And it makes me feel vulnerable and it makes me feel weak and it makes me feel lame and boring and it's not always very fun and if I don't then I miss out on some really beautiful parts of life because I do ultimately believe that even the painful things that happen to us are beautiful they turn into beautiful things it's just when you're going through it it doesn't feel so beautiful you know so when you're going through a mood um, that is maybe sadness or anger or related to that in some way it's not always fun and it's not easy to see how it will benefit us in the long run but it is the way we change you have to go through a little bit of pain and a little bit of fire and sometimes a lot of pain and a lot of fire in order to become better versions of ourself and that feels good it feels good to be better. It feels good to be able to look back over a period of time and say, that was really hard, but I'm better for it. You know, the whole what doesn't kill you makes you stronger type of thing. So I hate talking about my moods. I find it to be very cringy. <laughs> However, the weird thing is, is that I don't hate your moods. Like, I love everything about you. <laughs> So if you or, or a friend of mine or something was telling me the things that I'm going to talk about today, I would be completely fascinated by all of it. There would definitely be a space that I would try to make as big as that person needed so that they felt comfortable to talk to me about these things. 
And I don't always do that for myself. Or if I do, I begrudgingly do it or I consider it to be a chore. Whereas if I was talking to my friends, I would consider it a complete honor and privilege for somebody to feel like they could open up to me in that way and trust me that way. So I think one thing that I've been thinking about is that that might be a good calibration or a good measure for me a kind of like a check and balance system is to pretend that I'm somebody else talking to me would I be cringed out if I was another person talking to me about my emotions the answer is no so I don't know if you've experienced the idea that we're all really mean to ourselves or sometimes you know I've heard the phrase we are our own toughest critic so I know that there are other people out there who are hard on themselves and I I would venture to say it's probably most people who would say things to themselves that they would never even think about another person so I'm going to try to keep that in mind although I'm afraid of it I'm going to keep it in mind as I talk about what what we're going to talk about today about emotions and moods and riding those moods and showing up despite the lack of happiness sometimes that's my favorite way to paint is when I'm in a peaceful happy situation and things just flow so smoothly out of so much love I love doing that it's it's the best um but when I'm kind of in an emotional place things get really foggy and that's when my art it kind of starts and stops like a car that just is an automatic and it's really hard or not automatic but manual and you don't really know how to operate it and you have to shift gears and you don't really know what you're doing that's how my brain feels (laughs) and then the cogs get a little stuck in there and it takes time to you know oil it up and learn the roads and the path in front of me and get back on the correct track. I do a better job now of believing that I can get back on a better track. There was most of my life where I would think that, okay, I'm sad and I'm never going to stop being sad. Or I would resist feeling the anger because I thought that that anger would consume me because I felt it so intensely and that I would never stop being angry. I would just be lost in anger forever, which is a really young way of thinking about things. I think when you get experience and perspective, you find out that no, there's another side to this and you won't be in it forever. This isn't your entire life. So I'll admit that right now, overall in my life, I feel like emotionally and mentally, I've been healthier in some ways than I've ever been, for sure. And when I am low and down, it is not near as low as I used to get just because I have made made a point of taking the time to process the things along the way I think what used to make it really bad and but that being said now that I've been able to kind of come out of something that I felt like I was in for most of my life it's good to know that there are steps to be taken and and that medicine can be a part of them but I also feel like and when I talk to professionals they say medicine isn't necessarily the cure 
that it's part of the cure, that it's really, really helpful. Not even like a Band-Aid. It doesn't just protect you. It really is like medicine. It goes to work and within you and helps to regulate things. But it does that so then you can take the steps to heal yourself. And when you think about it, that's just how regular medicine is for a physical ailment because what the medicine does is it goes to work within your body to help your body heal itself. Our bodies heal ourselves and our I believe our minds can heal ourselves too. Pretty much my, I'm a really addictive personality, but I, so I kind of have always stayed away from anything that <clears throat> might be addictive or illegal, <laughs> just because I know that, you know, mostly because I know that it's not good for me and it's unhealthy for me and that it's very easy for me to get lost in things. So, you know, I definitely though eat <laughs> when I, I definitely stress eat when I'm in those um, places and then I like eat so much and then I don't even feel like I've eaten a single thing, but like I, my body just feels disgusting until I will say until I turn um, I started eating a vegetarian diet one day. I just woke up and decided to be a vegetarian that I just didn't want to eat anymore, eat meat <laughs> anymore. It was really strange because I had never even thought that I wanted to do that. But one day I just didn't want to eat meat and I still haven't want to eat meat. And maybe I will tomorrow, but I don't know. I kind of doubt it. Um, the more I'm, you know, the more I feel good being a vegetarian, the more less I think I'll go back to eating meat. And so anyway, part of me finding that out was actually tuning in to how my body felt when I ate and how I like hated it when I ate meat and ate frustrated. But now that I'm vegetarian, I freaking love eating. <laughs> I love food. It makes me feel so good. I am such a better cook. <laughs> because think about it. If you hate eating you're not going to be a good cook because you know somewhere deep down that it's going to cause you pain. <laughs> it's going to frustrate or imbalance your inner body physically. So I was never a really good cook. Ooh, we got on a weird little tangent here. What was I trying to say? Oh yeah, I, I go externally to make myself feel better when I'm in anxious and depressed states. Either food or a big one is people. When I really first started dealing with my depression and the emotional stuckness that I was in, I remember just being, it was near impossible to be alone. I, I felt like it was impossible. It, it felt like complete torture to be by myself, to feel like there was nobody that I could call to hang out at that moment without being weird <laughs> in like a weird situation. Um, and, and I do have a lot of really close people, so it didn't happen very often, but I, as an extrovert, probably this is, that makes it probably worse. But when my mood is really down, I would rather just be around other people so that I don't have to deal with myself. And I, I think that it is really beautiful to be around other people and even when you're down and kind of including them in that moment when they're okay with being included in those down moments. However, I that was my other drug of choice is people. People and food. Those are my drugs of choice to kind of cope 
um, in an unhealthy way. But that's weird because food is good for you and people are good for you. So it is kind of tricky to find that line between the both, the both of them. So as I've shared before many times, my art is a way for me to check in to myself and not get extroverted and try to rely on other people too much and their opinions and their validity, but try to find that from within. And I do feel like I, when I paint, I get in a state of flow, I create something. And then when I'm finished, I'm kind of able to have a dialogue with my inner self. You know, we all have a running commentary in our minds, right? But this painting helps me to talk to the person inside of me that doesn't really get to say things much because my more dominant conscious self wants to repress that, you know, for whatever reason I do. I don't know why I do that, but that's what I, you know, that's what I struggle with. So when I'm in that anxious state, I, I am able to paint And what's funny is I've noticed that a lot of times when I paint really anxiously, I end up making this yellow line appear in my artwork and I do not realize I'm doing it, I promise, until after I'm finished. And I was like, oh, there's the yellow line again. (laughs) And I've also noticed that my anxiety, when I go into those patterns of being okay, getting anxious, getting depressed, figuring it out, getting okay, getting anxious, getting de- and going through that pattern over and over again. What initiates that anxiety is me trying to control something that is either not my business to control or something I haven't learned how to control. It might be something external that I'm trying to control. Um, maybe trying to control something somebody else does that I really have no power over whatsoever. Or it might be me trying to control something about myself, wanting to teleport to this place where I've learned the lesson and how to fix a certain type of problem. And I often get upset that I'm upset. I get sad that I'm sad. I get upset that I can't be the person that I want to be and that causes the anxiety and I really think that learning to let go of the idea that I can't control things outside of me and I also can't always control the things within me and that sometimes I have to learn experientially by going through things to become that better person and sometimes that involves getting anxious and then depressed and then figuring it out. And I know that there are people who plan out what they create before they create it. And I think it's probably the same thing for them is that something inside needs to come out and they want to give that a voice and space to exist. Even if it's a really unhealthy thought, if you ignore feeling it, then it just lives there forever and just doesn't go away. And when... I hear people complain about how they just don't get art. You know, I think I've been one of those people in the past to some extent before I was an artist and really understood the process of it. I think what people look at is they see how can somebody spend so much money on a black circle and a white square next to each other, you know, especially with abstract art. I think people are like, I just don't get it. 
it's such it to them it's such a an affront because it's it's like why is this person so successful making something that looks like a baby drew it or something like that you know you've heard this before I'm sure you might have even thought this I know I have because it's it's like why can't I make a million dollars when I scribble something on a paper, you know? Um, so we do get, I think there is a little bit of jealousy that happens when people say they just don't get art. Um, I do think that on some level, what, well, the point is, is that you don't have to get all art. Nobody gets all the art that's out there, but from since I've become an artist and from an artist perspective I don't expect uh, most people no matter how much they love me as a person to connect with my artwork all my artwork or any of my artwork whatsoever the people who don't get art I think what I would say is that you first of all you don't have to get it but second of all it's a simple thing. All you have to do is look at something and say, have I ever felt that inside? Yeah. No, I felt that. <laughs> I felt what they're representing visually. And that's it. That's the entirety of how to appreciate art. People might connect with something so much that they want to spend millions of dollars on it. They're the type of people that have millions of dollars to spend, you know, so they're fine with it, I I think. But the only thing that matters when it comes to art and connecting with art is do can you say, I get what this person is feeling? Or even even if you don't understand what the person is feeling, you feel something when you look at that art. And I think a lot of times people who say they don't get art try not to feel things sometimes get all art like I know there are a lot of people who would say I get some art but not all art okay that's fair but the people who dismiss it all together the entire industry and everything I think maybe those people have a hard time looking within themselves to actually get to a point where they can connect with a piece of art you feel me I really think that that last <laughs> point took me a long time to get through I hope that didn't sound like I was rambling but I think I finally got there <laughs> All it takes to get art is to look within and see if it matters to you. And I will say that people are shocked <laughs> when they hear about my work and they ask me what I was going through when I painted it. People are surprised to know how much pain I was working through <laughs> when I was creating something because it might come out as something extremely colorful, bright, that looks really upbeat but to them I would say the point of that is that it is a positive thing to go through pain sometime and to go through the struggle and it can be really beautiful but I remember one time I had somebody who was interested in my artwork and they were asking me you know what inspired you to create this it was called um acid blooms <laughs> so I don't know what they were expecting maybe they were expecting that I was tripping on acid when I created it which I think a lot of people think about my artwork and a lot of times I think people buy my artwork to do that 
very thing, which is fine, whatever. I've actually never done that before in my past because, like I said, I get addicted to things. I just don't want to introduce something that I'm just not sure about. You know, the illegal part of the whole thing. Um, reasons like that. Anyway, okay, back to the point. So they were like, what was going on? And to me, the acid was that at the time... I felt like my veins were filled with acid and that when my heart pumped, pain shot through my body literally because I was so upset and kind of in one of my worst places, just going and going and not checking in and just being real mentally unhealthy and it ended up being physically painful. So that's what I meant by acid. <laughs> And it, to, you know, to his um, point, it was kind of an upbeat, you know, bright blues and reds and, and everything like that. And where I see the darkness, other people might see the light. But the point of the matter is, is if he wants to trip while he looks at that painting, more power to you, buddy, because he saw something in there that he connects with. And so if that's the purpose that he wanted for that artwork, it's there for them. Once you, once I paint what I've done and I put it out there, it's for other people to connect with however they want. And I think every artist really longs for that connection and really hopes that somebody looks at what they do and say, yeah, I felt that. Whether they buy it or not and purchase it, um, I think the whole validating of an artist's career that they have to go through from what I've researched is they want people to connect with what they do. On some level, they want somebody out there, even if it's just one person, to connect with the thing that they do. I talked about in my last episode of my podcast that I'm an Enneagram 8 with a 7, and I know that an 8 views the entire world as basically an obstacle course, as struggle to overcome. And so I think that kind of comes out in my creative process where I go through the struggle and then me overcoming the struggle is to show that it was beautiful and made me better. And I think that another thing that comes through a lot is that is pride, honestly, and that ego and that desire for control like I mentioned before, that kind of starts the process of the struggle for me internally is when I'm trying to control something I have no business controlling because I'm prideful. And basically my whole artist career and every painting that I do is me overcoming the struggles to make me better, learning to let go of that pride. And that letting go helps me to feel ugh, so much more free. And I think that's also a theme in a lot of the artwork that I create where you can see a lot of things kind of flying off. It, definitely in a turbulent way. You know, I have a lot of tornado paintings, a lot of movement that happens. But I think in my mind, it's also like the pride is disintegrating and freeing itself. And that's also a big part of it. And let me tell you, the pride goes deep because I also think that a big part of what I do is fight with God or... I don't know how you feel religiously, but, you know, the creator, the force that said, 
bang, really big, you know, or maybe translated into human, it said, let there be light, you know, I think a a lot of, I know a lot of people talk about God as like the universe, but I kind of think universe is too small to really describe that force that is good, you know, whatever the force that is good in the world that has created the universe, you know what I'm saying? We're talking about God, but that's fine. I, I'm a spiritual person. You know, I've come to conclusions and I'm sure I'll come to different conclusions and on the path of life, you know, but um, whatever that invisible force that you can't perceive with your senses, you know, that's like magic or whatever, like miracle. I think like so many, so m- <laughs> I'm starting to get tongue-tied because I'm talking something about something that might be uncomfortable for people but I think all I want to say is I think sometimes people dismiss the idea of spiritual life because they're too used to the world sometimes like contemplate gravity we don't know how that happens that is complete magic wind you can't you can't see when you can see what the wind does, you know, you can see it turn into a hurricane or you can see it kind of blow some leaves around, but you can't see wind, you know, you can't really perceive it all that much, but you know, it's there. You know what I mean? It's a, an invisible kind of force. I know wind, you know, breath is another term or symbol that's used spiritually throughout, you know, human history. Um, so when I'm talking about God, at the very base level, that's the kind of thing that I'm talking about. Um, basically, I say all that to say my creative process, I think everybody's creative process kind of puts us into touch with that, we can call it divine nature or whatever. And so I do feel like I'm an advocate for everybody to get creative for the purpose of just to make something, not even that it has to be super practical, it can be impractical. Um, but, but where I really see my pride show up is how much I try to outdo God and the creation around me because I really believe that, you know, nature is so beautiful, so awe-inspiring. You can't look at a beautiful Florida sunset without you know, feeling something inside, like there's, it's, it's inspiring, you know, nature around us is inspiring. And I'm like, so sometimes (laughs) I'll paint something with a lot of color and I'll have a sunset competition with God and I'll be like, mine is better tonight. You have to admit mine is better because yours was just like two colors (laughs) and mine has more colors. Oh, that's not good. <laughs> that's not okay. I think God can handle it. But <laughs> um, I do kind of dream of creating this sunset myself where basically I get different chemical compounds and water vapor in this like giant sky sized <laughs> tank or, or building or something. And I get my own lights. And I create my own sunset. Of course, I'm using the tools of nature to do that. However, 
it would be cool. I just want to make a sunset, just like one night, <laughs> someday. Maybe God will let me design <laughs> the sunset. Oh, man. Yeah, so that sounds real pr- prideful. <laughs> it's, but it's that like Frankenstein idea that you want to bring something to life. You want to do something that God does. You want to create something. Because we also as humans have the ability to do that. We have the, the ability to create. So why not try to outdo the best creator <laughs> there is? Am I right? I feel guilty, but not really. Because <laughs> at the end of the day, I know I'm just, I'm just a little old human on this little existence here. So tell me what you think. Have you ever gone through these thought processes before? I know there are some people who are like me, but I also am very aware that there are some people out there who are very naturally confident and really in tune naturally. They don't struggle with that idea of uh, getting emotionally stuck. And so I know there are people out there like that, but I'd love to hear where you're at um, relating to what I talked about. I actually wrote a blog post about, I think, four of my paintings and kind of the moods behind them. That is located on my website. Um, if you are an artist or have created a piece of art, I would love to see a mood, like a specific mood. Because, you know, some moods stand out more than others in a creative career, I think. So I'd love for you to show me just by, you can message me on social media at Heatherish, Heather, Y-I-S-H, or go to my website, I'll include the link, and let me see something that made you feel a, a painting that you created, or I say painting because I paint, but a piece of art that you painted, ah, stop saying paint it, a piece of art that you created <laughs> that is a definite mood, something that stands out in your creative career. Anyway, I, I would love to see that. And that's all I have for you today. Navigating moods. I'm in a mood. I know I'm going to come out of this mood, but I'm trying to feel it out while I'm in the middle of it. I'm creating some interesting artwork. I'm going to be posting that soon as well. So I'll include a link to all that information too. You can find out visually exactly the weird kind of mood I'm in right now. Because it's hard for me to describe with words. And aside from that, thanks for listening, friend. Seriously, if you've listened this long, you're my best friend. There's not many people who want to listen to me talk for this long. You are the coolest. And I hope you have a good one. And I will talk to you next week. Bye.